0: I've been I've been very honest in different spaces. For me, I think I, like I stepped into sales with the vision of like, all right, I want to become a CEO of something, whether it's something I've started or something I'm taking over. And it's interesting, because like Women in Sales Club. Like I'm having that experience right now. Um, I don't think I ever thought about, oh, I'm going to be a BDR leader and a BDR manager. So for me, like that, the, the the vision that I have for myself is like continue to work up the ranks, right, at, at companies. And also, I think for as long as, you know, there's an opportunity to have these conversations to help, whether it's like helping women find better companies to work for, helping leaders uh, you know, better support women in the sales force, you know, like driving meaningful change, like that's something I'm going to be committed to always.
1: Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Gabrielle Blackwell. Gabrielle is the Business Development Manager for Strategic at Airtable and co-founder of the Women in Sales Club. In our conversation today, Gabrielle and I we talk about a wide range of topics. We start by exploring her unique journey into the sales profession, into the sales world, uh, by way of perhaps of a detour in Paris, France. And then we dive into her rapid rise into a management position and, and explore what have been the biggest challenges for her in this role. We'll also talk about the mission of her new venture, the Women in Sales Club, which is an organization focused on enabling, empowering, and promoting women within the sales profession. We get into all of this and much, much more. But before we get to Gabrielle, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it, and I also want to remind you to check out my latest book, "Sell Without Selling Out." It's a modern, human-centric framework for increasing your win rates and shortening decision cycles without using the salesy behaviors that your buyers really dislike. Book's available everywhere you shop for books online and in stores. All right, let's jump into it, with Gabrielle. Gabrielle, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Andy. Thanks for having me.
1: A pleasure to have you here. So uh, where are you joining us from?
0: I am joining from Austin, Texas, currently Mm -hmm. at the office. So yeah, that's where I am. Yes.
1: (laughs) The office. In the office. (laughs) I'm not sure I've talked about it in the last two years. Actually, in the office. (laughs) It's like first.
0: No, listen, somebody's got to set a precedent.
1: And so... What's happening in your office? I mean, tell us who you work for and what you do and then let's talk about your office.
0: Yes. So I work for Airtable, Mm -hmm. uh, so connected apps platform and I am the business development manager for strategic accounts. So I have a team of a whopping 11 people who are out there, outbound prospecting into some of the biggest companies in the world. So that is what I do on a day to day basis.
1: And so, which that's a good size team. So we'll get back to that. But (laughs) in terms of the office policy, what's uh, what's Airtable's policy?
0: So right now we have an office that's open on a volunteer basis. Uh, Mm -hmm. We do have a return to work plan uh, scheduled for next month. Uh, we're going to see what happens
1: I, because I COVID, say, I, the rising, rising caseloads, I think are going to have yeah,
0: yeah. So, uh, COVID COVID has a funny way of saying that's a cute plan that you have there. Mm-hmm. In it. Um, mm-hmm. that being said, right r- at the moment, it, it's being considered, it's being considered by a return to work team, yeah. but, uh, let's just say potentially we come into the office. We'll be starting June 6th and we'll have the team be in here part time. So it'll be a hybrid model between working from the office and working from home.
1: So your sales team are all located in the Austin area.
0: We have part of our sales team. So the commercial and large team is, uh, is based out of Austin. So Mm -hmm. we have strat, the strategic team, they can be remote or in other areas of the country. Uh, so this looks like, yeah, our, our business, business development, sales development program, um, parts of our CS organization as well as parts of our uh, new biz and growth aE organization too
1: got it yeah yeah it's it's I <laughs> I'd spoken at an event last week I was mean, just so the impact of covid is yeah and and this company, Everybody has to show proof of vaccination, mm-hmm. double vaccination, so on, just to get yes. into the offices. Yes. And there was yeah, a group of like yes. 40 people. And nonetheless.
0: There's a lot of protocols, a lot of protocols that we have to meet 100%. Right. Um, and then I get, a,
1: I get an email this week from the company saying, uh, oh, by the way, I just want to let you know that a bunch of the people that are in this meeting tested positive.
0: Yes. <laughs> like, yes.
1: Uh, yeah it's not, not me, great
0: though. not great no that's good well i'm glad that you are all good
1: yeah well i hadn't it's sort of strange i hadn't like shaken as many hands in like literally two years and been within a period of time you know and been in close proximity to people and yeah, yeah being in a, a closed room with 40 50 people i mean it was fun but it was you know sort of kind of freaky on the other hand too it's just such a change from what we've been doing
0: i was gonna ask i uh i was having a conversation earlier today we were talking about hey return to work what do you all see as being really excited like what are some Mm -hmm. of the things that we should be mindful of and we had uh quarterly business reviews a couple weeks ago where there was a big number of people coming into the office and it's like the energy is amazing and it's wonderful And we come back the next week and you realized, wow, I have not done this much socialization in two years. Yeah. I am not conditioned for this yet. So um, it's it's like it's amazing and interesting and also I'm slightly introverted. So I'm like, I need to go recharge for three or four days. (laughs) Uh, I'll be in the office on Wednesday.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, it's a change. So it's, yeah, I know a lot of people went out, uh yeah, speaking, doing speaking in person and so on. And But uh, yeah, for me, that was the first one. It was like, yeah, very interesting. So, um well, I wanted to ask you something. So you have a very interesting background. One thing that I wanted to explore is you went to school at the Sorbonne in um, Paris, which is like the Sorbonne being like, I'd call it like the Stanford of, of France.
0: No, um, is it? yeah
1: what you think it's sort of the elite of an elite school, isn't
0: it? um potentially so there is Sciences Po, which is stated as the Harvard of France
1: ah. well, I, 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 went took, to Stan- I went to Stanford so I called it the Stanford I mean,
0: okay, cool Harvard. yeah and I would see I would I see Chicago it. you know we're in a league of our own mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, yeah yeah so um we're the I- Ivy League uh, loner I'll call it um but <laughs> Uh, no, so I went to uh, La Sorbonne. I took a French class there while I lived in Paris for a couple of years. I was an au pair for a little bit. So in order, me, yeah, in order for me to have my au pair student visa be valid, I had to be in school. <laughs> so I took a class.
1: Really? Yes. So, so what sort of family were you au pairing for?
0: Um what sort of family was I au pairing for? Yeah. I uh I au paired for two families. French families. Two French families. Yes. So, uh I had graduated college and kind of knew I didn't want to get into work right away, but figured how can I like how can I do something during this right. interesting time of being an adult but not really? Yeah. So, yeah. I started looking at uh, I had known people who I went to school with who had done the au pair experience. So I thought it'd be great to really? go there and learn French. And I, even as like a, a young, a young child, I was very interested in French culture and mm-hmm. I'd even have my mom buy me audio tapes or audio cassettes to, mm-hmm. to learn. learn the language. Yeah. So I, I wanted to go there. Um, so the first family that I had, didn't work out. Second family I had didn't work out very well either. I come to find out, oh, pair, oh pairing with some families a little bit like uh, indentured servitude, mm-hmm. and you are fully and completely kind of bound to this family, and that did not work for me very well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I ended up. What was,
1: what was the worst thing that they asked you to do?
0: Ooh, the worst thing. Honest. So I. Re- so at the time, I was 22 years old. The first family. The 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 mother tried to enforce a curfew on me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, no, (laughs) absolutely not. So I, uh, and was trying to say that my weekends were not mine. I'm like, no, that's not Mm -hmm. the contract that we signed. Right. And, um, then she became kind of menacing and kind of threatening a bit. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll just leave. That's no worries. Um, the, but the worst thing that happened, the second family, the, the, there was two kids. Uh, one was four, Was about to turn 14 years old. One was eight. And the 14-year-old, I think he had some behavioral challenges that were there. But my last day included him pulling a knife on me and trying to attack me. So that the was house. My, in the, in house, the house? In the house. So, yes. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> so... I was like, I'm leaving, and I'm Mm -hmm. never coming back, and you all should pay me money to not file a police report against your son. Right. Yep.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, (laughs) y'all. Yeah, really.
1: I mean, I've I've, – yeah, never had – Customer pull a knife on me?
0: Um, no, nope. I was like, I don't think this is the line of work that I need to be in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've had I've had uh, random gunshot in my direction on a sales what? call, but
0: on a sales call.
1: Well, I'd, when I was working in San Francisco Bay Area, I was doing a ride along with one of my sellers, and we had gone to a uh, call in a warehouse district and. As we left the call and got in the car, we heard what sounded like a gunshot. Wow! And uh, yeah, hit the hit the as some random shot. It hit the front quarter panel on the side of the car that my Oh my
0: gosh! Talk about (laughs) occupational hazards.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and yeah, my first reaction was, or typical for me, was like. I didn't think the call went that badly. Oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, well, I said no, no knife up, up close and personal. So, so how'd you get your way from Paris then to being in sales?
0: Ooh, great question. So there was a, there's an even longer story where I, I continue to live in France. Uh, okay. not everybody knows this, but I was, I was married to a Frenchman and, uh, uh oh. so I thought, yeah, I thought I was going to be, we know. In Paris. now we know it's out there. So, uh, I thought I was going to be in Paris for a very long time, and I had uh, ideas of how I was going to make life work over there, and then I had to take a very hard pivot when I realized I needed to leave everything that I had kind of been building towards, Um, and when I got, so I came back to Chicago, where I'm from, and I had- Solo, solo, yes. I left my ex husband. Yes. So um
1: knives involved though.
0: No knives involved. No knives involved on that one. Um he might have thrown a croissant. I don't know. But (laughs) no (laughs) knives. But uh no, I, I came back to the US. All I had with me was like a backpack, uh, a medium sized suitcase, half of it was filled with books, and my dog. And so uh at that point in time, this is 2015. I thought I was going to be going into more so like HR people side of the business. Mm -hmm. so Recruiting people off something along those lines. A lot of the folks in my family took that trajectory and um, for whatever reason it was, they didn't ever want to bring me to the second interview. So I (laughs) had to take a heart, another hard pivot and really thought about where I wanted to see my career going. And as I kind of built out this vision for myself, I'm like, All I know is that at some point in time I want to be leading a company. And like where do like CEOs start their careers often and had whittled it down to like finance and sales. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't really feel like just being in spreadsheets all day long, even though that's what I do now as a manager. But I can go talk to people. So I I was like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go start off in sales as my first step forward to being a CEO. So yeah, that's how I got in it.
1: And who are you selling for and what were you selling?
0: I was working at a company called CloudWords and um, oh this is 2015. So it was a translation management software. so it just like the whole process of figuring out like right we're gonna take one piece of marketing content in English mm-hmm. and we need to get it out into four other languages, and localize it to the region you come to find out it's a really really hard and difficult cumbersome process so our solution made it just like way easier and faster to get all that stuff done so that's what i was selling i was selling into like fortune 100 companies Mm. my territory was like uh all the entire like east coast like upper east coast so like all the big i was like best territory and some european countries as well so yeah that's how i got started
1: based in chicago
0: Yeah, so it was a San Francisco company with a a satellite office in Chicago. Got it. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, so I mean, yeah, you took your liberal arts major. You were public policy, right?
0: Yeah, my public policy analysis major. this This is how I sold it. I go, listen, public policy analysis is simply solving problems within the context of local and state government. And it taught mm-hmm. me how to problem solve, and that's what I'm here to do today in sales. Wow. So yeah, that was that was hey. my yeah.
1: Well, that a much more sophisticated argument for why they should hire you than I had with my history degree, which was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, I, remember, no, I had no idea.
0: It took me three weeks of interviewing to realize. I was like, I really need to lock down a pitch for myself to make myself an attractive as a to make myself an attractive candidate for these companies. So. Once I had it down, I was ready to go.
1: Yeah, for me, it was my first job. was, was I don't know. It took a sort of a personal challenge because the the ultimate hiring manager. My first. I've told the story of my first interview, which was like a one minute interview, <laughs> which was <laughs> well. The, the sale. I'll repeat it. People, man, if you've heard it before and you're listening to the show, just cover your ears for a minute. But so I get this interview is scheduled, it's a company called Burroughs, and and big computer company, second largest computer company in the world at that time, and and uh, f- for a branch office in Oakland, California. And I show up for the interview, and I'm grieved by the sales manager, who basically says hi, and takes me to a conference room, opens his portfolio notebook in front of him, and now the job was ultimately, to be selling computer systems for, you know, ERP-type applications, uh, Mm -hmm. selling into the construction industry. And I did not expect him. So we had to know accounting. And I'd taken accounting in in school and done pretty well, but I was not expecting his first question out of his mouth to be an accounting question. Mm. And um, I froze. (laughs) (laughs) I just, just froze. Completely. And finally, after what seemed like forever, I said to him, um, I know the answer to this question. You saw, I have my, you have my transcript, I took accounting, but I just, you know, you caught me off guard. I, I can't summon the answer. Can I, you know, research tonight when I get home and I'll call you tomorrow mm. with the answer? And with that, he stood up and left the room. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit! <laughs>
0: my, what just my, happened?
1: What my yeah? Wow! Well, well, actually, my first reaction was, what am I going to tell my parents about what happened at the end?
0: Ah!
1: <laughs> right? And
0: <That's>
1: <clears throat> and mm-hmm. then, yeah. A few minutes later, uh, this other gentleman shows up. He "Hey, I'm I'm Brian. I'm the branch manager Ray, who I was just talking to. Who I never really talked to." Uh, Ray works for me. He says, Yeah, Ray, Ray told me he wants to hire you. And so <laughs> a great lesson learned early in your career, which is, you know, don't try to bullshit, right? Uh, just tell the truth, come clean if you don't know something, admit it, say so you'll get the answer, get back to them. And but Brian, he had never hired anybody who didn't have an undergraduate business degree. <clears throat> and I was a history major. So that was my big obstacle with him is why should he hire somebody who did not have a business degree? Mm. So he made it very clear to me that he was taking a big chance. Ah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, yeah. It, it worked out for him. So, anyway.
0: It, it seems to work out for you as well. Look at you now. Yeah. Yeah. Look
1: at that. So, <laughs> well, you similarly, I mean, as I got promoted relatively quickly into management, it sounds like you did as well.
0: I did, yes. So why,
1: what was happening? What, uh, besides performance, I mean,
0: what was about that
1: first sales job that... uh...
0: So uh, my history has been interesting because I (laughs) I started that first job at Cloudwords in 2015, April Mm -hmm. 2015, and by February of 2016, like, the SDR team had been eliminated, basically. So... Uh, I done really well, and then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, like we're not going to invest in this program anymore, and everybody's gone. Right. So, And then I moved to another company, uh, started off as a SDR, and then quickly got promoted to an AE position in three months. Uh, the leadership that I had worked with at CloudWords went over and was new leadership at this new company. So they're like, mm-hmm. hey, like, we, we know what you can do. Um, and I struggled mightily as an AE for the first – hmm. Like, the 90% of my first quarter and somehow managed to pull out 193% of my number in the last, like, week and a half. Of the mm-hmm. Right? Amazing. Number one on my team. Like, I came back. Come back, kid. Uh Two days later after the quarter ends, uh, come to find out that my position alongside of 72 other people had been eliminated.
1: Wait, wait. Okay. Yeah. So – your position was eliminated at CloudWords. Yep. And then go you go to this new company and they eliminated your position then.
0: Yeah. Six months after I started at the company. Got yep. it. So had so uh yeah, CloudWords a position was eliminated like February or March of that of twenty sixteen. The other the next company was act on software. And oh, yeah. yeah, and so my uh, I I had been promoted, they moved me out to Portland, Oregon. Uh, in June of 2016. And then my position had been eliminated in October. <laughs> so like, that was not great. And then I ended up joining a new company called Cloudability. And um, and, I, and I basically, I don't know, I was a little bit like, man, this kind of, this is not great to have done so well performance wise figure mm-hmm. figured out do so well. And, and get eliminated. And at the time, I don't think I realized that it was kind of out of my control, Um, but I was like, you know, what companies are growing, what in Portland, like which companies are serving. An industry or customer base that's gonna explode as well. And so, cloudability mm-hmm. was a or is a cost management solution specifically for AWS and Azure users. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. cloud is gonna blow up. <clears throat> right. Might as well join and just trust that as the company grows, I'll have opportunities. So I joined the company at like employee number 50 or 60, something like that, as an SDR, and a new VP of sales started two or three weeks after I did. And I was like, you, sir, and I are going to be best friends, okay? And uh, two months later, they posted a job for a BDR manager. And I had already let them know. I'm like, hey, listen, you know, I I know what it's like to build a BDR team. Or I've been a part of a pioneering, like, BDR team. And did really well. Was very instrumental. Did my whole spiel there. Um, The position gets put up. Nobody comes knocking at my door, knocking at my desk. Then I have to message the VP of sales. Like, Hey, remember this conversation we had, by the way, here's my track record. How can Mm -hmm. I help you? Like it was simple as that. I'm just like, Hey, I'm trying to figure out how can I help? He gave me a shot. I, and I presented an entire business plan and I got the job as a BDR manager. And that was February of 2017. So yeah, I hadn't even been in sales for a full on two years before I got moved into management.
1: Nice. So you said you wanted to stick with the sales development side as opposed to going back to AE?
0: Ooh, I did not enjoy being an AE. Granted, there was a series of very traumatic events that happened. More importantly though, because I mean, these are the things that I think about quite a bit, which is where do I want to see my career going? Mm -hmm. Where do I, and I, I really do, for me, it's What I really like is being able to, when someone is like very early on in their careers, because it's like, this is where I was at. I was like, I had to choose, like, what do I want to do with my days? And like, let's say my life, right? I'm going to be in a career for 20, 30 years and I want to enjoy it. I want to thrive in it. I don't want to just be somebody who's like punching in, punching out, miserable, And I made a very thoughtful and intentional choice. And like over the years, I feel like I've kind of, I've been able to, I've been very blessed and fortunate to do what I love to do, which is managing BDRs and SDRs. Do I want to, I want to move up in SDR, BDR leadership, but I'm like, I feel like the group of folks that we have who are coming into sales. Like I'm like one, they're going through a very interesting experience, an initiation of sorts. So I kind of see myself as like a shepherd, a guard Mm -hmm. of that, which is, one, we're going to set a standard of professionalism, a standard of performance, but also a standard of here's how you take care of yourself as a salesperson in this career, right? And then I think about oh, the long-term. So,
1: well, let's explore that. So what, yeah. what what's entailed with looking after themselves in this career?
0: Um, so in terms of looking after themselves, here here's where I feel like SaaS sales or sales in general, Like, I think here's where we can be much better. Is really demonstrating a level of leadership that raises the standard of sales. And what I mean by this is like pivoting away from smile and dial, treating people like resources that Mm -hmm. are easily um, to be easily tossed out, even though that exists, like we don't need to let people know that. Um, I know what it's like to have a leader who truly cared about me as a person and yeah. as a professional, and them caring yeah. about me as a person made me want to be a better professional. Right. I think a lot of times we treat people like I've seen it many times, like people treat their people like dogs. Yeah. Versus people. And I'm like, this is not how we motivate. This is not how we incentivize. This is how we burn people out. So I've, I think I've, I've seen it across, I've worked at a lot of companies. So I'm like, I've seen a lot of like dysfunction in organizations in that way but i also think about for myself i I've, i'm aware of the dysfunction that i have had in my mm-hmm. life because i thought i had to be the person who was always on who always right. said yes who always you know like i can never do enough and i know how catastrophic that was for me over time right so when i think about like what does this mean for me now it's much more about i really want to understand like my own values what's important to me what's going to bring me joy and that's also like that wisdom that I gained, I give that back to my team, right? right? Everyone on my team. I'm like, hey, it's not just about making money all the time. Like, sure, that'll come, but also what are the things like what are your boundaries?
1: Yeah. Well, what do you value? Like, what, do you, what do you want? What do you want to you achieve? Yeah. yeah. Like outside and,
0: of work. outside of work. Yeah. It's like cool, like great, wonderful. Like, what are yeah, what are your goals in life in general? And and also like, let's think about long term too, right? Like, Two, two to three, not even like five, three to five years from now, but two to three positions from now, where do you want to go? Like, let's let's have those kinds of conversations as well. But also like, yeah, and what are the standards that you want to hold for your career too?
1: Yeah, it's a good way to put it though. I like the way you said it's not, don't denominate it in years, but say in positions.
0: Yes, so yeah, I got that from really a mentor. Good. Yeah, that's yeah, not my original like question. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I also think about in terms of, you know, for me, uh, I I joke around with my team where I'm like, listen, y'all, I am a, uh, millennial black woman with a very loud mouth. (laughs) So like I go into places and like not every place and not every space is going to be hospitable to me. Like that's Mm -hmm. just, that's a thing. So I also think about, all right, I have, I have my experiences of you know, uh, being on the receiving end of discrimination and harassment and hostility and all of that right. in the workplace.
1: right?
0: And I think about everybody on, who's on my team or who has been on my team. I'm like, these are the future leaders of sales. Like this mm-hmm. is like, this is the next generation of sales. So I also think of like this initiation pieces, we get to set a model of like, Hey, here's how we operate. Here's how we, Develop belonging. Like, this mm-hmm. is how we hold each other accountable to a higher standard right. in the way that we behave and the way that we talk and the way that we make space for others, right. too. And I'm like, and hopefully, like, the long term impact is like, again, like, sales becomes much more inclusive and accepting and is a place where, like, anybody and everybody can succeed. Like, we can kind of have this aspirational sales mm-hmm. and as meritocracy piece. Like, right. even though we're not there yet, it's an aspiration. So, I also try instill a lot of those values and it's like right when people are entering in. So I'm like, if you know that this is what you can have, like take the time to appreciate what you like, recognize what you don't like, but also you're not going to work for this company or for me forever. But when you're going to also kind of have like a BS, mm-hmm. like detector. So right. like you'll also steer clear of nonsensical places. I'm like, right. and this to me, like if you go to better places, top talent's going to better places Better places have better leaders. Better leaders equals more inclusive, diverse, whatever else it is. I'm like, this is how I think we can shift things in the long term. So that's why I like being here.
1: (laughs) I like that. I like that. Well, tell us a little bit about the Women in Sales Club that you started.
0: Yes. Okay. So Women in Sales Club uh, co-founded this alongside my business partner Alexine Mudawar, who's a strategic AE at Alice. Um, Mm -hmm. It was yeah. So last year in January, started off on Clubhouse. And really, the the inception, the origins of it are Alexine and I were having a conversation, and we we're both just talking about our experiences of being like the one or the only on a mm-hmm. sales floor. For Alexine, right. she's like, you know, she, got, she had shared that she was pretty much been the only woman on the sales floor. For me, and always been like the only Black person or the only right. black, black woman, and we were, as we were talking, we we're like, we want to have more conversations about this, like not just to support each other as women, not just, you know, we don't set, I have a support group and it's just right. an echo chamber, but we also want to have conversations that allow anyone and everyone, regardless of gender to listen in, to learn. And hopefully this, again, is, is going to be another lever that can be used to make places better for anyone and everyone. Mm-hmm. So like, that's how it started. And so like every, yeah, every Saturday we'd be on Clubhouse for two hours, <laughs> just chit-chatting about all these different topics. Um, everything from, yeah, being the one or the only to mm-hmm. like uh, maternity policies to right. how do you like get mentorship, like whatever else it is. And um, and so since then have, yeah, have turned this company into an LLC, which is really cool. Like have companies who are, who are supporting us um, as well and like hosting events and webinars and We've launched a a monthly like what is it, women, women Wednesday, women and sales club Wednesdays, and mm-hmm. so uh, we have a special guest, Sholly Reed, who's going to be coming in. Devin Reed's wife is going to come and uh, chat with us. Uh, we'll a lot about imposter syndrome. So so like. A lot of good work to, I think, provide people hopefully with content and information that helps them make better choices for themselves, but also for people who want to be allies or change agents, like Mm -hmm. giving them the awareness of, hey, like what, what can be changed and what, how can they help?
1: Interesting. So events that you're doing right now, other than... I mean, are you doing webinars or in-person events?
0: Um, So we're actually going to be doing one of our first in-person events. Uh, It's going to be coming up. So there's, I need to remember what the date is for mine, but there is going to be a dinner in Chicago that's going to be co-hosted with Chili Piper Mm -hmm. next week. And then there's going to be one in Austin next month. So that'll be our first live event that we're doing. Uh, but no, a lot of the events have been either um, kind of co-sponsored or co-marketed with some of our sponsors, where we're getting mm-hmm. like the tactics of things. Um, but then we have a monthly like virtual. Uh, it's not. It's not even a webinar because people can come up stage and like chat right. with us. So. Uh, Clubhouse yeah. still. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it's like we we run it through um, Goldcast. So.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, yep, okay. yep. Yeah, yeah, so it's a, it's a little bit a mini conference, a little seminar on a, on Wednesdays.
1: So you started a company. So what do you see as sort of like the, you know, long-term vision for what you're doing there? Is this, this could be your career?
0: Ooh, you know, I've been, I've been very honest in different spaces for me. I think I like I stepped into sales with the vision of like, all right, I want to become a CEO of something, whether it's something Mm -hmm. I've started or something I'm taking over. And it's interesting. It's like women in sales club. Like I'm having that experience right Mm -hmm. now. Um, I don't think I ever thought about, oh, I'm going to be a BDR leader and a BDR manager. So for me, like that, the, the, the vision that I have for myself is like continue to work up the ranks, right, right. At, at companies. And also, I think for as long as, you know, there's an opportunity to have these conversations to help, whether it's like helping women find better companies to work for, helping leaders, uh, you know, better support women in the sales mm-hmm. force, you know, like driving meaningful change. Like that's something I'm going to be committed to, to always.
1: Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, Gabrielle, we've run out of time, but thank you so much for joining me. I mean, the backstory yeah. that people don't know is I think we, we meant to record this a week ago, but we ended up talking instead.
0: We did. We did. <laughs> so, we
1: did. Which was great. Um, so if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that?
0: Uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is mm-hmm. the best way. Gabrielle G.B. Blackwell.
1: Got it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so thank you for joining me.
0: Thanks,
1: Andy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, we'll do this again soon. All right, awesome. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I am so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Gabrielle Blackwell, for sharing her insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could also leave us a rating or a review, let us know how we're doing. Well, we'd certainly appreciate that. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.